purpose can't just be the thing. You need community. You need connection, physical affection. You need emotional attention. You need spiritual alignment. You need mental clarity. I mean, there's a lot of things that you need in order to like make sure that your that your system is running pretty clean here. Welcome to the Culture of Leadership. We have conversations that help you develop and become a more confident leader. Have you ever considered how your life purpose and work purpose align? Before spending time with our next guest, Elizabeth Rosenberg, I'd never distinguish between the two. In today's episode, Elizabeth reframes the way we view our purpose for life and work. She believes most individuals are already living their purpose, even if they haven't fully recognized it. There is, however, misalignment for most people not living out their life purpose in their work. At around the 17-minute mark, Elizabeth does a live reading for me, and I can't believe one of the signs I missed. I'll share more about that in my takeaways at the end of the episode. Elizabeth Rosenberg is the founder of The Good Advice Company, a marketing and communications consultancy. Stay tuned to learn about how her own defining moment helped align her life and work purpose. This is the Cultural Leadership Podcast. I'm Brendan Rogers. Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Elizabeth. This topic we're talking about today, this sort of work purpose versus life purpose, I think the term purpose is maybe overused and maybe misunderstood in the whole leadership circles. But for you, why is this topic so relevant in the leadership space? I think right now as a collective, we are all searching for purpose. And as a leader, many of us are very good at what we do, but don't necessarily feel like there is reason behind what we do. So a lot of the people that I work with are executives and C-suite leaders at large companies in the US. And many of them are a little bored in their job and really trying to find a way to impact the world in a positive way. But also, when you have purpose, you want to be doing something that's bringing yourself joy. You want to go to work every day and you want to actually enjoy it. So when I talk about work purpose versus life purpose, I really believe that your life purpose is big and it can be everything from, again, love, <laughs> finding my joy. It can be um, making the world a better place. It can be helping children. It can be big. And I think that our work purpose is how we actually actualize that life purpose in our day-to-day lives. Now, I've changed my answer to that question so much over the last few months just because I think as I work with more clients and I talk to more people, I've changed how I think about purpose and how I think about how we live our purpose every day. And the wild thing is, I think most people are living their purpose every day. They just don't know it. They need to be told it. And then they go, oh, oh my God, I had no idea that I was doing that. Or they're thinking too small in terms of their purpose. And I also think that that can stifle one's personal growth by really thinking that like my purpose is this very, very specific thing because if you don't get that done, you feel again purposeless. So it's a it's a meaty topic. And it's something that I also think that I'm not an expert on. I am a personal branding expert and I really do work with people on purpose, but I don't believe that anybody can be an expert on it because I do believe that it is something that is so personal. And however you decide to define it is the best way for you to kind of actualize that in your world too. 
What's driven your passion around this topic? This topic like found me versus me finding it. I was very burned out in 2017. I was working for a very big company. I loved my job. I think there's this kind of misconception that you can only burn out if you really like hate your job. But I loved my job. I was working and doing things that I never thought I'd be able to do in my career. And I really thought that I had a lot of purpose too at the time, which has changed drastically since as well. I went to another job and then I actually quit my job on March 2nd of 2020. So all of a sudden we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We are all home. And that was the time where everyone was really looking for purpose. Everyone was looking for joy. Everyone's like, oh my God, if we're all going to die tomorrow from COVID, like, did I live a life that I was proud of? Did I make an impact? Did I, did I do something that, that leaves a legacy? And I was doing PR for large brands, creative agencies, and people started finding me throughout my network. And they're like, hey, would you be interested in helping me with my personal brand? And I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I think I know how to do that, but I'm not totally sure I know how to do that. And I kind of came up with a methodology when I, I say practice in quotes, but I had some clients very early on that I charged very little for. And I was like, hey, we're going to beta test this and see if it works. And it totally worked. And I found so much joy in being able to do that work with people and actually helping them find their North Star and helping them find, again, some joy and some purpose in what they were doing every day. That in the last 18 months, my business has gone from 20% personal branding, 80% corporate clients to 90% personal branding, 10% corporate clients. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. You mentioned about, maybe if we had this interview three or four months ago, you would have answered things differently and, and your perspective has changed, which we spoke about off camera. It's the journey of life and, and what we're doing and that's the exciting part. Is there one or two key points you could share with our audience that if we had this conversation three or four months ago, what are those key differences for you around this topic compared to today? Yeah, I think that Originally, I had really thought about work purpose being so much more based on the job that you were doing every day and also the the purpose that the company that you were working for and kind of the impact that they were making. I mean, I think, again, you're talking about how purpose is kind of a, a loaded word right now. Like really, it's one of those, what does that actually mean? Because I think in many ways, it was defined by corporate purpose for so long. And then Oprah came out and was like, everybody find your purpose. It's unbelievably important. But there's no handbook out there to be like, how do you find your purpose? And again, there's how I choose to help my clients find their purpose and how other coaches, executive coaches do and you know, spiritual advisors and kind of all of that stuff of how the tools they use to point people in the right direction. I mean, who knows if we're doing it right? But I think that when you find your purpose, it's there's this light bulb that goes off and you're like, oh, this this feels right to me. And I also, I think, really separated the two of life purpose and work purpose. And now I really find them intertwining in a much more natural way. I find that if you can think really big about what your life purpose is and what you're meant to do and what brings you joy and find a work environment that can help you, again, like actualize that purpose in your day-to-day life, you've hit the jackpot. Because if we're doing something that we enjoy and we're doing something where we make an impact and we are, I think, coming together with community, that's why we're all meant to be here in the first place. And I've also found that when my clients do that, they make a lot more money. How do you define then your personal definition of life purpose? So part of my 
branding, personal branding methodology that I do with my clients is I, side note, I am also an intuitive. And that kind of came out of my wellness journey. It was nothing I actually wanted to to do. It's not something I seeked out. It wasn't like one day it was like, oh, let's find classes to figure this out. And during the pandemic, kind of word got out from some of my clients like, oh, I heard you did this. Or I heard you do intuitive readings. And I read over 100 C-suite leaders and Fortune 500 companies because everybody was home at Zoom and everyone was very bored and... I needed to practice and they somehow found me and it was all referral. And I really utilize the Akashic Records, which is kind of how I tap in, which is kind of very plainly stated as a library of the soul's journey, past, present, future. It'd be like talking to guides. And I can really tap into what your purpose is. And they're always really, really big. So like I know that part of my purpose is to help others find theirs, which I know sounds like very cliche and a little silly. But the second I started doing that, it allowed me to do something that I genuinely love to do. I mean, I tell all my clients, like for the first time in my life, I truly, truly love my job. Like I can't believe I get to do that. I get this is my job and I get paid to do this. Like I would do this if I won a lottery and didn't have to, you know, pay the mortgage. So it is hard because again, like I believe life purpose to be so big. I mean, it is like, it is about finding joy. It is about educating others. It is about making an impact. It could be everything from health equity to protecting those around you. I mean, the the purposes that we come up with are very vast and they're huge. But then we have to think about the little everyday things that we're doing in your work life, in your personal life that are living that purpose on a daily basis. Is it practical for you to do some work on me in five to 10 as a real life example? Like, hey, tap into who I am and what I'm about potentially. Like do a reading for you? Like find your purpose? Like do, like tap into me? I've never done that. I don't know if that's... I don't know if I could well, Why don't do we that. try something? If you've never done it, let's try something. Okay. I don't know if it'll work. We'll see. Let me try. I don't let know either. Try. Who knows? You may put me on a completely different path to what I think I'm on. (laughs) Okay. When you say uh, you've never done this before, obviously you you have done it before, but you mean like from a remote situation or something like that? Oh, no, no. I do all of my my readings and all of my work with my clients is done remotely. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I have never done... And I've done it on a podcast? All over the world. I've never done this on a podcast. I've done readings for podcast hosts. Yeah, Yeah. And then they've talked about their experience after the fact. But a lot of the work that we do is very personal. Like I can get in and I, they may not tell me what you want to hear. Like your grandpa might pop Let's in. do it, Elizabeth. Do you know what I mean? Like I have absolutely no idea. Let's let's try it. Hey, I'm game. Are you game? <laughs> sure. This is it, what would out. you rather do before dinner? I know. I know. It's funny because I normally don't read so late. Okay. <laughs> so I need you. What is your full name? Brendan. Yep. John Rogers. Okay. I won't say the prayer on air. You do whatever you need to do. You're the expert. Okay. Let's see what happens. <laughs> this is exciting and nervous at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I am like sweating right now. So clearly like this is like this is something that I don't do. Okay. All right. Well, let's, we'll see what happens. Okay. I have no idea what will happen. Mark, are we allowed to do this on camera? <laughs> I know he's Absolutely. like, oh my god! I mean, uh, hello. Something might come through for Mark, so let's let's try to like. Who knows? Okay. Who knows? All right. 
Are your feet flat on the floor for me? No. Will you please put your feet flat on the floor? Just for a sec. Okay. Is your mom with us? She's not here, but she's still in this world. Yep. She's still alive. Okay. Yep. Sorry, that was weird because the very first thing they said is, um, like, mom says hi. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that's for. I don't know if that resonates for you at all. We're going to put that aside because I don't have time to do a full reading for you. But things will come back. Something might resonate after the fact. I just want to throw that they out I live there. in a different state, that, you know, 10 hours away or so drive, and they're traveling a lot. No, it's not. They normally don't. Eh, it feels like it doesn't feel. It feels like someone who's not here. Um, it's like, okay, hold my on. Wife's, my wife's mother just passed not long ago. What did she call her? Uh, well, her name was Marie, just mum. Okay. They didn't have a fantastic relationship. That doesn't really matter. They don't really care after the fact. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sometimes they just come back to just be like, hi. Because it was, I am it sort of hoping in, she doesn't so. come back to haunt, to haunt me. No one's going to come back to haunt you. It's fine. Oh, good. Thank you. Let me just ask about your, your, um, let me ask about your purpose really quick and see if we can do that. You have an intentionality of everything that you do. Decisions you make are quite deliberate, is what they're saying. Very. They're, they're saying, like, don't be so intentional with everything. Like, sometimes you need to just, like, not question things so much, not overthink some things so much, and just, like, do them. And, like, that's kind of, like, they'll lead to unbelievably joyful and, like, new adventures and promising things. So... I can definitely relate to that. Stop questioning things so much. Because you also see like an a um you look t- five steps ahead. So you're like, okay, if I do this and this and this and this is what the outcome is gonna be. And they're like, you like check boxes to make sure that you will get to the outcome that you have already like self-determined. And they're like, don't do that. Like just like see what the outcome is. Like that might be fun. Like enjoy the journey. What that could be cool. That's so funny because then I'm like, okay, well, what's his purpose? It sounds like I'm living that journey now. I've had this was completely unscripted, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm enjoying <laughs> <I know>. the journey. <laughs> <laughs> so in my sessions, I ask for soul purpose and life purpose. The way that I see soul purpose is if you believe in past lives, your soul leaves all these lives. It has dozens of purposes and all the lessons that it's supposed to learn. They give you one that they're like, we're just going to have you focus on this one. Your life purpose is how you actualize that soul purpose in this specific lifetime. Okay. So again, I'm trying to ask, but they're like getting de- they're derailing me on other things that they want to tell you. So just hold on one sec. Okay. I want to look up one thing because they're saying something I don't totally understand. Sorry. This is such a weird podcast moment. Kind of how fun. Cool is it? I know. I'm having fun. Okay. Mind you, it's not about me. It's actually you're the guest. It should be about you, but somehow I've turned this around. (laughs) I'm really enjoying this, so it's okay. This is quite interesting that they said that that's your actual purpose. Huh, okay. Well, let me get to your life purpose. You've always been um, quite the advocate for others. Like They talk about storytelling, and I'm like, yeah, but he's a podcast host. And they're like, yeah, but you've spoken for others in, in in many times in your life. Yep. Because you're quite clear, you're quite like you fully understand what it is they want to say, and then you say it in a more like clear, concise, and um, thoughtful manner. So when I talk about your life purpose, I mean that's part of your purpose. Is it's almost to to translate? They said translate complicated feelings into clarity and action. So you're quite good at that. That is a, a strength of yours. 
That's not your purpose, though. That's not your life purpose. If I relate it to... Well, do you want me to tell you your soul purpose <laughs> first? Yeah, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you, you tell okay. me when I should speak or... No, great. So part of your soul purpose, and again, we have so many. The lesson that you're supposed to be learning in this lifetime is to like live life without abandon. Complete freedom. Your soul wants to be so restrained. Like you're, you're, you, you, you want to live a life of restraint. But part of the lesson they want you to learn is to live without restraint. But your restraint allows you to, again, translate these complicated feelings into clarity and action for others, but also amplify. It's funny. They're saying like amplify the freedom of others into the world because it's something that you actually really value, understand, and are actually like a little bit jealous of. Because again, your soul... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your soul wants to live without abandon. So part of how you actualize that is by telling everyone else's story of freedom because it allows part of you to be free. Yeah, wow. Does that make sense? Maybe. Sometimes it takes a while <laughs> to think about. <laughs> it's probably more f- if I share something with you that I start to think of, or two things I start to think about. Maybe it make, it will help make more sense for me and you that the work that I do with clients, I do a lot of facilitation type work as well and offsites with leadership teams and that sort of stuff. So, so I've always received very good feedback over 20 odd years of that practice of being able to listen well, understand what's going on in the room, irrespective of, in, of industry, but then put that in a way that sums up conversation really well and, and we move forward with whatever we're focused on. That's probably more a very practical and restrained approach that I have to my work. If I think about some of the work that myself and my wife have embarked on in the last couple of years, we're also foster carers. And that's an unbelievably rewarding experience of advocating for young people in our care and you know, helping them have a voice when they don't have a voice. So in both forms, you are translating complicated feelings into clarity and action. I would say so. Congratulations. You are living your purpose. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> it feels it. Yeah. It fe- again, which is why I was so excited to talk to you today more so than any other guest I've had that we've sort of touched around this topic is that what comes first in your experience? Is it because I, I do f- exactly what you said. I feel like I'm, I'm there. There's been this journey on the work side, which has taken me. And, and the life side is the, the foster side that's come into my wife's driven that to start with. And I've embodied and embraced that as, as much as her. Does it normally come in a, a certain pattern? You've got some work and then the life or the life and then the work, or is it just a, hey, let's see how the journey takes us? You know, I think it comes in so many, in so many ways. For a lot of us, like you, we're living our purpose. We just need somebody to remind us that we're doing it in a beautiful way. For others, we feel purposeless until we actually come up with an idea of what purpose feels like and then know immediately how to turn it into action. A lot of it starts with some kind of personal development. And that can be working with an executive coach like yourself that allows us to look at how we interact with others, look at our personal relationships, look at how we how we deal with stressful situations. And then I think a lot of it is also like very deep personal work that, you know, you're doing with a therapist or you're doing with a doctor, you're dealing with releasing childhood trauma. I mean, I think there's this kind of like farce that there are people who don't have childhood trauma. Everyone has childhood trauma. 
one trauma could be very, you know, really what we see as societally bad. It could be abuse. It could be abandonment. Another person could have just gotten a really bad grade or had a really uncomfortable pediatrician appointment where they were told that they were, you know, needed to stop eating candy. And that was the trauma that they were feeling in that moment that they held on to. That goes with us into adulthood. And that also shapes, I, in many ways, how we respond and how we react to things, how we find joy, and then how we are actually living our purpose. But again, I always go back to purpose just being the foundation of your personal brand. And your personal brand simply being the definition of how you show up in the world. I think a lot of leaders think about personal branding as like thought leadership and posting and content, all of that stuff. And that is just how you're expressing yourself as your personal brand. That is just a content strategy. Your personal brand is if you are not in the room, everybody knows who you are, what you stand for, and potentially even what your legacy might be when you pass. Like my personal brand is really focused on kindness and giving. Like I don't really care about any kind of work successes that I've had. I mean, they obviously help me pay my bills and they help me get new clients and they help me do all that stuff. But like when I die, all I care about is that people say that I was a kind human. It's really all I care about. So I really try to show up as a kind human every day in every situation. And there are moments where I'm not feeling all my you know best and I say things that I probably shouldn't have said and I do things I shouldn't have done, but we're also human and that happens. So it is hard as a leader. No, no, I was going to say, it's just hard as a leader to really try to bring so much of that person to the workplace. Because I also don't believe that you can bring your whole self to work because it's still work. You can bring as much as you possibly can and create an environment that's healthy and non-toxic for those around you. It's a great point. Is it more is it more common in your world experience that somebody is maybe living their life purpose a little bit more outside of work and they're in a completely different space in work? So therefore, there's this competing interests happening. And it's almost like they're wearing two hats day to day. And one's a very sad hat, i.e. the work front, and one's a a pretty happy hat, and they can't wait for the weekends. Is that the common scenario that plays out? A thousand percent. But the problem is, is that people just can't figure out how to connect the dots between the two. Because if somebody says to me, this is what I love to do, I do this on on my weekends, I do this outside of work, and then this is what my job entails. There's a reason why you're in that job. You're really good at what you do. Something drove you to, to do that job. Something, something was interesting in it that you wanted to do it for 10 hours a day, five days a week. It's so hard to see in front of you sometimes. Like I, A lot of my clients come to me, again, because they can't write their own bio. It is impossible to know your own story. You need somebody to kind of pull that out of you. And that is the, my... My second favorite part of my job is being able to like connect the dots and and tell somebody that that story that they don't think is interesting is actually the story that everybody will love. But in so many ways, once you have an outside source be able to tell you, you could bring that joy that you have on the weekend and that you have outside of work to the workplace if you just tweaked this, 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 and this and just figure out a way to work, do this with your team or talk to the client this way or offer this you know, a little bit differently. And it's like a game changer. So the connecting of the dots is just the hard part. I think people are in the place to do it. Most people are. And if you're not, then switch jobs. <laughs> Life is too short to stay in a job we hate. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? How do you start connecting the dots? What do people need to consider 
what do you do to help them start connecting the dots? Step one is a reading that I do. And again, if you want to, we'll talk about doing a full reading for you later because I feel like there's so much they want to say. Step two is I do full data analytics. So I truly believe that the intuitive stuff is kind of hard for everybody to, to, to connect with sometimes. I think it's, it's fun, but I think it can be a little, you know, it's a little hard. It's a little out there. The data analytics and behavioral analytics about how you work connected with that is like a game changer. The third session I do is a story mining session. And it's really just me interviewing somebody. And I ask all these questions about all the things, everything from, you know, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years, which I hate because we never know where we're going to be. If somebody said that I was doing this five years ago, I would have told them they were insane. So if you had all the money in the world, what would you want to do? Like what would bring you joy? The thing that I do best is look at all these answers and connect the dots and tell the stories. The thing that I would tell people listening is we all have a story. We all have something that was a defining moment in our life that changed the trajectory of how we show up in the world. That story, while you might not think it's interesting and you might not think that it is pertinent to your work and how you show up in the workplace, I can guarantee you it is because I can guarantee you that telling that story will be relatable and will allow people to feel comfortable to tell their own story. So like examples of this, I did not want to tell my burnout story. I was mortified. I mean, I ended up in the hospital with a migraine where I lost all my motor skills. Thought I was having a stroke. They thought I had had a drug overdose. I mean, it was embarrassing. And, and I thought that it made me seem very weak to other corporate people. I wrote an op-ed. It showed up in a international um, publication in Business Insider. Two years later, I still have emails and notes from people saying like, thank you for telling this story because I was able to show this to my boss to be able to share that I'm going through something similar. I That was your was defining moment? Like, that was your defining moment? That was moment? my defining moment for March me. 2020. <laughs> the other... I mean, other defining moments for some of my clients. I mean, I have one client who wanted to talk about creativity and leadership and equity. And I'm like, no one cares what you have to say about any of those things. Everyone has already talked about those things. Nothing is new. And then she talked about her sobriety and how she's leading a creative agency as a sober leader. Well, we ended up telling that story and she had people calling her wanting to work for her because she was creating an environment where sobriety was accepted and celebrated. So I just think that we have so much, we have so much shame around stories that actually make us who we are. And if we can destigmatize telling some of those stories in a more positive way and how it actually, in fact, has made us better business people, I think the world would actually be a better place. Let's jump forward a little bit. How does, how does Elizabeth? impact lives with this work? What are you seeing as impact, i.e. benefits, I guess you could say? I believe besides that strength of being able to connect the dots and, and find your story, the biggest impact that I'm making in the world is giving people permission to tell it. It's really surprising to me, and it shouldn't be because I feel like I still need permission to do things, that as adults, we need permission to do things. And when someone gives it to you, you all of a sudden think that it's okay. And it maybe that's part of our childhood trauma that we've all held on to and we just like never let go of. But I have one client who was diagnosed as neurodiverse and had fear and shame around telling that story. And one of the things that I think was a defining moment for her was I'm like, I give you permission to tell this story. It'll be okay. I will support you. We will support you. 
and she was celebrated. And then you're like, oh, like Richard Branson's dyslexic (laughs) and, you know, Sia has autism. Like there's other people in the world that are also telling this story. I mean, you know, Tina Turner just passed away this week and we kind of forget about the bravery that she had about telling her story about leaving an abusive relationship and how many women she saved by being able to tell that story. That was part of her brand, but it's not necessarily what defined her. But someone gave her permission to tell that story. And think about like the ripple effect of impact that that has been able to make. On the other side of that coin, when there's not the alignment, they haven't worked with someone like yourself to start to connect the dots, dots and get that alignment. What's the impact you're seeing in a person's life? It's probably more of what it looks like before they come to you. The beauty of where we are in the world right now is that the world is so heavy with so much going on in terms of divisiveness and climate issues and just, you know, again, a pandemic. Everyone is kind of searching for answers in really beautiful ways. So while I think there are a lot of people who are searching, I'm so excited because people are searching at all. And they're looking in like really interesting, cool, new, innovative ways of finding answers that they might not have considered looking before. I mean, just like the 90s are back fashion-wise, it's like all these really impactful and historically relevant ways of healing are all coming back into style again. I mean, that's again, the beauty back, of living in Los it? Angeles. Everything comes back. So it's like, I mean... Half the people I know are on like Chinese herbs or going to acupuncture or going to sound baths or I live in a very spiritually accepted city. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of cool that we're that we're living in like a kind of a renaissance of new ways of looking for answers. Yeah, it certainly is. One of the things that I reflect on a little bit and it, just in my head, it seems that the things that we talk about often in society is least understood. It's probably why we're talking about it. it makes a, a little bit of sense, I suppose. And and again, our topic today, that purpose, and we're splitting it into work and life purpose, to me falls in that category in the space I play in. Anyway, There's it's so talked about and people think, oh, not purpose. They're probably listening and watching this and saying, well, God, not another leadership podcast on purpose. What do you think is least understood in this broad topic? Why does it make it so topical therefore conversational, but still misunderstood? Probably the million ways that we can define it. And also, so many people who claim that they are experts on it. I just don't think that anyone's an expert on purpose. And the other thing is that finding your purpose looks different for everyone. And there's different times in your life where I think your purpose is going to evolve. And that's okay. That should be expected, right? We evolve as people, we grow, we should be able to lean into a purpose that evolves as well. I also think that, again, there's so many books on this that a lot of people believe that purpose is just like love or joy. And like that feels way too vast and way too big. And trying to define that by yourself, again, is is just so difficult. And then you see other people that are over here being like, I'm living my purpose, I'm living my best life. On social media anyway. Right? Yeah. And and that just makes other people feel shitty about themselves. And that's I think that's the worst part of the world that we live in now is that social media perpetuates that constant need to like compare yourself to others. And are you living a purpose that is enough? Are you living doing something that is 
you know, making you enough money, giving you enough stature. It, it is so ego driven in so many ways. But I'm also that kind of spiritual person who's like, I don't believe that we should release all of our ego because I believe that we need some of our ego to drive us forward just in humanity in general. So again, I just, there is no expert. There is no answer for purpose. So the best advice that I can give is define it how you want to define it and then live it how you want to live it and just be okay with that, which I know feels, (laughs) I feel like that's probably the hardest thing for all of us to do at all is just accept that our answers are enough. So everyone listening, I give you permission that your answers are enough. (laughs) To me, it's definitely a great point. It sort of feels like that journey of purpose for people maybe a little bit like culture and the, certainly in the work that I do, it's almost like you tick the box and I've done it, but I'm still unhappy. Like I thought I found my purpose 12 months yeah. ago and it's like, well, that mustn't work because I'm still unhappy. But going back to your point and, and maybe do we have to split the difference between work and life purpose where it's okay for both of them to change or is it okay that one may change more than the other one? What's your experience? What would you say to that? Again, it's so personal and I think it's so individual. If you feel innately like the purpose that you're living is not right, yeah, change it. Do what feels right for you. Again, I really though feel that your work purpose should just be the actualized version of your life purpose. So while they're, they are different, I think we need to think of them as much more of like an infinity sign of like working together in a really symbiotic and like beautiful way than keeping them super, super separate. because. If you're keeping them super separate, eventually one of them is not going to make you happy. One of them is not going to bring you joy. And they're both going to feel like jobs. Like they shouldn't feel hard. It should feel like something that you're driving towards to make yourself a better person and to also like leave the world a better place than we found it. But they don't have to be so crazy. They don't have to be so big. Again, part of my purpose is just helping others find theirs. And another part of my purpose is helping people become more comfortable with alternative ways of thought. So if I can do that by talking on a podcast and having you open up and be like, yes, please go into a reading that I'm not really comfortable with and go ahead and see what they say, like purpose done. I mean, what a gift to be able to do that. Absolutely. Again, are we, are we looking for that, for that one best thing? Is that the problem? You know, there's, there's this one best outcome for purpose and therefore this is what makes it sort of hard or or maybe too hard for people. Let's face it, sort of challenges for people today, uh, uh, people give in around challenge, so many people. So it's again, it's this journey of of trying and not feeling there, but not necessarily feeling like I've got that perfect outcome. So I'm always searching, but maybe it comes back to what you said to me in my reading that I and everyone else, irrespective of what you're being told or shared, you just need to enjoy the journey of life because you'll find things that you really love doing. You'll therefore spend more time doing things you really love doing and you're likely going to spend far less time doing things that you really don't like doing. Is it that simple? I think so. And how beautiful to be present and enjoying that journey. But the other thing that I tell all of my clients is everywhere you are on your journey is exactly where you're supposed to be. Even if it feels like something is hard, the lesson that you're learning from it will make you a better person in the end. It was a lesson you were meant to learn. And if you think about it, even if you're in a state of despair for like three months, like in the grand scheme of things, that's quite a fleeting moment. It doesn't feel like forever. 
So sitting in those moments of happiness and sitting in those feelings of even despair, but actually feeling that and being able to move on from that is also part of the journey. One of the things that I think might actually be helpful if there are people on here that are, that are really in the search of purpose is make a list of like top three things that you really love. Is it kids? Is it the ocean? Is it nature? Is it helping others? And then dive into why do you love that so much? If you could just have all the money in the world and that could be like the thing you do, like what about it do you really, really love? And then try to just do that thing every day or do that thing a couple of times a week, do that thing once a month. I can guarantee that out of that, a purpose will evolve. That's where I would start. I'm just thinking back again, sorry to put this back on my experience, but I sort of felt like I I started to figure out my work purpose sort of around that 2010, 2011 period of time. I'm not sure I equated it to life purpose. It was It was really about, I felt okay in life and young family, wife, and you know, things were good, but I didn't really relate it to that side of things. And through that journey of moving myself out of the corporate space, because I felt that my work purpose was so different to the space that I was in at that time. And then it's only, again, like I said, recently, I've had a very happy and joyful, I'm very comfortable with my life overall. But it's this last sort of few years where we've gone through a process of again formalizing being accepted as carers and and then having that opportunity to to experience that a couple of times with some placements and it's almost like well no it's not almost like it's the work that I do with with Mark producer and my business partner is I'm so driven and using that word you used intentional about what I do each and every day driving me to a place where actually we can support more young people my work gives me that. I'm living the purpose day to day, but then it's driving everything I do and the flexibility I try and create and the time I need to spend in a business like this in order to drive that. I don't know what the question out of that is. I don't know what you want to say about that, but I just feel so aligned and so passionate about that journey that it's like I'm 47, 47 I think I am. It's almost like the best years are ahead of me. That's that's the way I feel about it, which is just absolutely amazing. It's maybe took me 45 years to, to feel like, it maybe took me 45 years to feel like the best years are still ahead of me. I think that people are going to laugh when they watch this and they're going to be like, oh my God, those people in their 40s. Because <laughs> I too am in my 40s and I'm like, I feel like I finally like have a purpose. I know what I'm meant to do. I have such joy in the work that I do. I'm making an impact in the world. We look very silly and a little emotional, but it's also like when you get there, you're like, this is what it looks like. It's empowering. It's it is so empowering. But hearing your story, I want to say like what an evolution. And that's really what I feel like my journey has been about has been this I mean I've been in corporate PR for 25 years. I believed in my 20s and I believe this is the truth. In my 20s my story was to amplify the stories of those who couldn't tell them themselves. And I did that job really really well. Now I've just it's like my purpose grew up do you know what I mean? It just evolved in a way that felt more natural to me, that felt more important for the time that we are in right now. Now, in 20 years, is that still going to be my purpose? I doubt it. I'm sure it'll evolve into something else that will that will look a little bit different. And I'll probably love my life even more at that point. So I don't think... And I don't want to like have anybody in their 20s fear like, oh my God, I don't know my purpose. And 
what am I going to do with my life? It'll evolve as your journey evolves and as your life changes. I think the foundation doesn't change, but I think the execution and actualization of how you live that does. So, and I, when you're telling your story, to me, that feels very apparent with what your journey has looked like. Is work and life purpose and finding that and aligning that the outcome of midlife crisis, the positive outcome of midlife crisis? <laughs> I don't think I had a midlife oh, crisis, a, but... <laughs> that is such a great... Well, we all have that defining moment, right? There's always something that is just yeah, like... You refer to it. I don't Because I don't feel like I had a midlife crisis either, but I do believe there is this defining moment that you're like, okay, something has to change. I hate that job, or I got a divorce, or there was a loss of a parent, or there... Do you know what I mean? There's something that that is a defining moment for you that changes a bunch of things, a bunch of ways of how you look at life, right? So I agree with you. I also haven't had a midlife crisis, but I love that idea that that defining moment is that kind of connection of that work-life purpose and how you live that on a daily basis. Thank you. I'm going to steal that. I love that very much. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> uh, you've, bought, you've bought it out of me. Given what we've talked about today so far... What do you hope for your uh, beautiful nieces and nephews and godchildren that you care so much for? What do you hope for them around this sort of space? I hope that, I think about this a lot actually, that they get to a point where they get to choose careers as to, by the impact that they want to make in the world. Like, I want to bring joy to kids. Great. You could be an educator. You could be an actor. You could be a blank. Like, what an amazing rad opportunity that would be if it was like, here are the different impacts that you can make in the world. Now, here are the jobs and how you can make that impact. I also hope that they have the freedom and the permission to live intentionally joyfully. That's the thing I think that is most important. And again, you can relate this to your clients and obviously the, the, those we've just spoken about, the young ones are, are even closer, but how do you help encourage that and you don't want to keep them shielded from the naysayers because again that's character building stuff as well and it, it does build things up but how do you embrace that and harness that and encourage that in this sort of world that we seem to be going in in very opposite directions at times that's a very hard question and i think a lot of it goes back to listening to your intuition and your knowing when i first started telling people that i was an intuitive I like innately knew who I could tell and who I couldn't. I knew that that, that person was going to be like, oh my God, that's so cool. Tell me more. Or that person was going to be like, no, I do not. I, I, I'm not feeling that at all. I believe we all have that inside of us. And I think you innately know the people that you're comfortable with telling your story and telling your truth. And there's other people that you're like, okay, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to share that. Now, in a lovely world, in a perfect world, I would love for everybody to be authentically themselves and with everyone, right? And just show up who you are all the time. But the reality is, is that's not, that that can't happen. That's not totally true. So I really believe that if we listen to that knowing of who you, who you feel comfortable with and who you don't feel comfortable with sharing your authentic self is a start. It'll be very interesting to see how the, the world evolves as I think more people wake up and more people feel comfortable in their kind of like authentic, true self and how they present that to the world. Mm, like it. What have we not spoken about today in this topic, work and life purpose, that we need to or you need to share? 
it's really important that if you don't feel like you have a work purpose, you don't feel like you have any purpose at work to find purpose elsewhere. Start with the life purpose. It's always the easy one. It's always the one that you will find joy in fastest. Then you try to figure out how to kind of like incorporate that feeling into work in a way that we need to do. The other thing, and I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but is being very aware that work is still work. I so appreciate that every generation that we get into, every younger generation really does a better job at bringing their full self to work. And I think Gen Z is really pushing us in a way to think differently and to be more aware of you know, mental and physical health, to be more mindful, to be more socially um, accepted, and to, to think differently about um, social issues, which I love so much. But I also think we have to remember that work is work. And there are times when we need to get things done. And there are times when you can be more authentically yourself. So again, I think that's just listening to, to your knowing and knowing when... Read the room, right? When, when the right time is to bring that self and when the right time is to actually get the job done. We haven't found this happy medium yet. In the US, we're still really trying to figure out like how to go back to the office. Are we doing hybrid? Are we doing remote? Like Where are people living? What is happening? And the future of work is still very unknown. And I love in so many ways that we are trying to re like reimagine and innovate what that looks like. But we also have jobs to do. Just because people may have found or on a path in their current journey found their life purpose and hopefully some alignment in the work purpose, does it mean they're always happy in life? They're not always happy in life. But I do believe... Oh gosh, I don't even know how to say that. I believe if you're actually living your purpose and one that you would genuinely believe in, you you do find joy, but we are still humans. <laughs> we do still have ebbs and flows. We've got good days. We've got bad days. I'm sure you can attest that you find so much joy in the work that you're doing, but there are rough days when you're being a caretaker and when you're being a coach. And we all need to just also be okay with that. We can have a bad day and move on. And I also think that we can't put all of our like happy coins into one bucket. Like purpose can't just be the thing. Like you need community. You need connection, physical affection. You need emotional attention. You need spiritual alignment. You need mental clarity. I mean, there's a lot of things that you need in order to like make sure that your that your system is running pretty clean here. And that takes a lot of work. So I just think that purpose is like one of those things that really can enhance and and help you find joy and make you happy. But it's not the only thing. And if we put all of our attention on just that one thing and ignore all the rest, it's a recipe for disaster. I like what you've said just there. My, my logical mind, and maybe it's this restrictive side, I'm starting to think funnel. And it's almost all those inputs you mentioned about sort of opportunity and challenges and experiences and life, all that sort of stuff. That's the stuff you need to chuck into the funnel. And eventually you'll, well, at all times, you'll get some sort of purpose, out, some sort of life purpose we're talking at the moment. You'll get an output of that. And it, it doesn't mean to say that that's always going to be the output. That output might be like that for many years, but a different experience, a different entry, a different input comes into that funnel and that can that can adjust things. That can make things a little bit different and, and maybe age again in our 40s and maybe we'll think differently in the 50s, I don't know, but maybe that age and that experience, that, that different lens that we have and experiences we've seen things changes, that stuff. 
And like what you said to me in the reading, like you just got to be sort of okay with things. Just enjoy the journey as well. Don't have to be intentional all the time. Just just go with the flow sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we all did that sometimes? And then there's people who just go with the flow all I, I can't the agree with that. The world would just and be too like, messy, Elizabeth. <laughs> oh my God. It, like, it is so stressful for me. And like you have to have intentionality and some control and deliberate action around something because this is this to me is chaos. <laughs> but those people seem to be fine too. So, you know, it's like, that's, again, that's the beauty of humanity. We are all very different and we're all here for a reason. Absolutely. Like anything in life, there's a, there's a happy medium, a happy balance. Sometimes the balance goes a bit out of kilter, but things have a funny way of working their way back to a, an equilibrium, I think. That's the truth. Yeah. Elizabeth, let me ask you what is generally our final question. What has helped you become a more confident leader? I've thought about this question a lot. Thank you for sending <laughs> Thank you for sending that over. <laughs> and this is probably a kind of shocking answer. I have become a more confident leader by getting positive feedback and reinforcement from my clients that then remind me that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know that sounds like a lot of ego, but when I know that something is working and I know that it's making an impact and I know I'm also, you know, being a kind, thoughtful, smart person, it like fuels my fire to continue and do it better and more and have larger reach. So it's not about like likes on a LinkedIn post. It's the, oh my God, you said I could do this and I did it. And like, I mean, I've had, I've received emails from clients and phone calls and texts and I've like burst into tears and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this like, I can't believe I get to do this. Like, and this totally works. And wow, this is, I mean, you know it does, but sometimes you need that positive reinforcement to make to make you sure that what you're doing is right. And that's such a gift for me to receive that back. So yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well My done. Clients make me confident. <laughs> I feel the same. Those things and to me in that that word feedback, right? It's such a powerful thing. Feedback doesn't have to have always that negative connotation that we seem to give it at times. It's it's a reinforcement and what a powerful statement from a leadership perspective because if leaders again giving feedback, you're getting feedback from your clients, uh, you're getting feedback from various people all the time and that's just helping you improve or double down on on what you do, giving the confidence to keep serving and making an impact on more people. So I'm really super pleased that we've had this conversation, Elizabeth. I've never had a reading done on the podcast and I'm so honored that it was the first time you've done some sort of reading on a podcast as well. That's awesome. So thank you very much for being a fantastic I mean, guest. Like- Thank you. I'm so sorry I cut you off. It's like three minutes of a reading. So I, I, if you'd like a full reading, you just need to let me know. But I'm so happy that some of what I did tell you did resonate. That, mean, that means a lot. It absolutely did. And yeah, it, there was uh, times during the conversation where I did have to control some emotions. So <laughs> it, it obviously touched something. So It's so interesting because I think you know 70% of my clients have never had any kind of like intuitive reading before. And... I think part of the reason that they they work with me is I don't look woo-woo-y. I don't look like what you would think a medium would look like. I don't look like... Fair point. And I've had, again, like 25 years in corporate America. Like I, I have a resume that backs up that I am of the echelon and caliber that they are. So they feel comfortable with me. Yep. And then I do a reading with them and then you know someone's crying on the side and their grandma's coming through and there's all these things happening and they're like a little gobsmacked. But we do always land on that on that purpose. And there was so much fear around me 
tying these two together, like these two worlds together, and also become like being public with it and like telling people like, this is actually what I do. And I wouldn't do this if I didn't think that it didn't work. Like I wouldn't put my reputation on the line to be like, Hey guys, like during the pandemic, I became a medium and like, this is what's happening now. Obviously that's not like the full story, but I had so much fear around telling that story. And a coach that I work with said to me, how can you tell your clients to be their authentic versions of themselves if you are not telling your authentic story? Good point. And I was like, oh God, (laughs) well, I got to do that. And it took me a good like 18 months to finally feel comfortable enough to tell a story. And I remember like hitting post on LinkedIn and thinking like, oh my God, like I'm going to have to sell my stuff and move to like Bali and I'm never going to get a job again. (laughs) And I was inundated with new clients and people just saying like, oh, we totally knew this. Like you've always been really intuitive or like, thank you for sharing your story. And my business has been just booming since. I mean, it's been, you know, I get referrals and and I'm just so grateful that there's so many people right now who are willing to search for answers elsewhere and are actually willing to like willing to look at what their journey looks like and willing to ask help to find what they need in order to be happy in their work and their life. So that's why I think I have so much joy in what I do because I'm tying together two worlds that I never ever ever wanted to. I mean, my family even warned me like, please don't do this. Like this may not go well. (laughs) I'm like, but I can't hold it anymore. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Gotta tell people. (laughs) So it it ended, I mean, thank God it ended up, you know, it ended up working and it's something that I really love. And it's a story that I can share with my clients because everything that I recommend and I advise them to do, I've done myself. I've been on that journey and I, I love being able to share that story with them too. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, again, it's the level of authenticity and you're attracting the you're attracting the right people for starters. It's an easy filter when you're telling the the real story about yourself and how you've come to where you're at today. So yeah, yeah there's a lot to be learned from that process, isn't it? Yeah. Oh definitely. Once again, I really appreciate you being an awesome guest and and thanks for sharing your your knowledge. And again, continue to unpack this weird and wonderful broad topic of purpose and splitting this down into life purpose and work purpose. So I hope that people can really gather some insight to that and just enjoy the journey of finding what their purpose is and being okay that it can change over time. So once again, thank you. Exactly. Thank you. So what did I miss in the reading? When Elizabeth said, mum says hi, and she felt it was from someone who passed, I can't believe I didn't pick up that it was my grandma who passed in 1992. We called her mama. These were my three key takeaways from my conversation with Elizabeth. My first key takeaway, confident leaders align their life and work purpose. By weaving these together, they create flow. That seamlessly moves them toward a meaningful impact. This alignment of life and work purpose gives a sense of fulfillment in their personal and professional lives. My second key takeaway, confident leaders embrace their stories. These stories can emerge from defining moments like burnout. They shape us and strengthen our leadership capabilities. Our stories are part of our brand, but they don't define who we are. Giving yourself permission to embrace your story and you will impact people's lives. My third key takeaway, confident leaders are present in their journey. They enjoy their journey of life and use it as a driving force in their own personal growth. Wherever you are in the journey, 
is exactly where you're supposed to be at that moment. So in summary, my three key takeaways were confident leaders align their life and work purpose. Confident leaders embrace their stories and confident leaders are present in their journey. Let me know your key takeaway on YouTube or at thecultureofleadership.com. Thanks for joining me and remember, the best outcome is on the other side of a genuine conversation. Thanks for listening to The Culture of Leadership. You can access the show notes at thecultureofleadership.com. If you enjoy the show, please follow, rate and give a review on your favourite podcast platform.